Philippians chapter 4 tonight. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 9. I have called this the peace chapter, and we are going to get to the heart of what the Lord has to say to us about peace tonight. If um, there's someone that's going to take a title down, uh, we'll just call this the pattern of peace. And there's so much in it that just within verses 6 through 9, that's what we're going to share. And of course, when we are talking about peace, as you know, we're talking about the peace of God. Um, There's a difference in the peace of God and making peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, the Bible says we have peace with God. So uh, um, at a moment in one's life, someone receives peace for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's peace with God. Nothing can change it. You can do nothing about it. You have it for eternity. But however, it's a little different among Christians concerning the peace of God. It's available to everyone. God wants everyone to be experiencing daily in their life the peace of God. But the truth is, Christians fall in different measures and different experiences of this peace of God that He has for us. Colossians says to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. The church that's being written to here is encouraged to walk in the peace of God daily through their lives. But as life happens, there are many things that try to disturb our peace that we walk in. In that day and time, I mean, they were living in days of persecution. There was a huge division and a quarrel going on in the church. False teachers were everywhere. The church of Philippi's dear brother Paul was in prison. And so all of these things are, are tempting and trying them to fall into worry instead of walking into the peace of God. And it's, you know, life happens today just as it did then. So whatever it may be today, there is something that is trying to disturb Christians' peace as we speak. It might be uh, relationship issues. It might be financial struggles. It might be bouts with illness. It might be dealing with the death of a loved one, or all sorts of things try to cause us to fall into worry. You know, there, there are Christians who are addicted to worry. Worry is a, it's a, it's a troublesome thing to deal with and to go through. I don't understand people. I still hear it today that they pride themselves on worry. They say that if you're not worrying about someone, you don't care about someone. I'm just going to use a word that our senior pastor uses, and that's just stupid. Worry is sin. Worry causes a lot of problems. The anxiety, if you want to call it. 
I just spent a couple of days in the woods with about 50 teenagers and they were asked to write down their sin or, or baggage in their life on a piece of paper and then they threw it into the fire and about half of them wrote down anxiety. Kids, all I was wondering is if I'm going to be able to shoot spitwads at the teacher without getting caught. And these kids are over, and, and I, I'm not making light of it, I believe it's real because it's a new different day and time and different struggles that a lot of them are going through. But anxiety was, was the biggest thing. You know, that worry, anxiety, this is the idea of being pulled in many different directions at one time. And it's a mess. And it causes a lot of problems. You know, the, tr the truth about worry is, though, it does not accomplish not one good thing. It does not help to worry. It hurts to worry. It causes physical issues in our life to worry. It is sin, and people are addicted to it. And worry does some damaging things in our everyday life. Our value system gets confused when we worry. We get into desperation we don't need to be in, and we make decisions that we shouldn't make when we worry. Our personal characteristics in our lives get blurred when we're overcome with worry. You know, worry makes us dread tomorrow. Worry makes us dread even getting out of the bed in the morning. It's a horrible addiction to have, but God has a great recovery system, and that is His peace. He has peace for His people. So with that, let's look at the command we see in the beginning of verse 6. <coughs> The command is to be careful for nothing. Or more simply said, don't worry about anything. And there's no room for sugarcoating. Uh, we shouldn't sugarcoat anything anyway. And this is an absolute clear command from the Lord that we are to not worry about not one single thing is what it's saying. That's the command to you and I, not to worry about anything. You know, it, it's dishonoring to God when we worry. I don't think we aim to be dishonoring to God when we sometimes enter into worry, but, but I'm afraid that But as we do enter into worry... There's something we need to acknowledge in that. We've got some growing to do. When we hang around and worry too long, we just need to acknowledge, Lord, I need to be closer to you. Lord, I need to grow uh, more in harmony with you and trusting you. It's an absolute command here not to have one single moment of worry. We must face Every adversity in life with faith. God gives us faith and, and that is what we're to use concerning everything that we face. We must trust 
that no more is going to come upon us than we can handle if we're walking in the will of God. There is no temptation taken you such as is common to man, but he will make a way of escape is what it goes on to say. And, and so in the will of God, he will not put more on us than we can handle. We must trust and we must believe that the Lord is going to be with us and all things that we go through and through our struggle, He's going to be present with us and He is going to take us through it. We've got to trust that. It's not okay to worry, just as it's not okay to commit any other kind of sin. People seem to put that in a different category, but it's very dangerous. It's a command to be careful for nothing. But we see a process in the cure here. But in everything by prayer. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. It's a simple process to hear it and it works. And that's what we need to be doing. There was a preacher, true story, and he got stuck on an elevator with several people. And just as soon as the people realized that they were stuck between the third and fourth floor in that elevator, people started yelling, help, help, help. Nobody could hear them. And I think they knew it, but they still, help, help. People were banging on the doors of the elevator and on the walls of the elevator. Bang, 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 help, help, help. And the preacher standing there. And when he can't handle any more, he calmly walks to the other side of the elevator and opens a little door and picks up a phone receiver. And there's a pleasant voice at the, on the other end that says, are you in any trouble? Yes, we're jammed. Help is on the way. We're in, betwe we're in between the third and fourth floor. They come and they let them off. The people got in such a panic over what had happened, they did not think about a link that they had to security and to help that they could call upon. And you and I have security and we have help all the time. God is always on the line and all we have to do is pick it up and talk to him. And that's what he wants us to do. God wants to go with us throughout our everyday things with him bending an ear to us as we talk to him and we share every step along the way. And if we'll do that, nothing can disturb our peace. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. That is a process that only we can mess up. Only we can mess that up by not calling upon Him. But He gives the cure. And we can have confidence in that. He says, be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer. And now look at the confidence there in verse 6. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I say, 
that this is the confidence that we can have in this process because supplication is, is praying about a specific need. It is you and I addressing God about the finest detail in a very specific need in our lives. We are invited by God to bring these specific things to Him so we can have confidence in that. The fact that He invites our supplication. I mean, we are coming as children to our Father and bringing our needs to Him. He is very interested in every decision of our lives and everything that we go through and anything that troubles us at all. He wants us to give specific petition to Him about it. We can call upon Him as children to our Father for help, for comfort, for deliverance, and with thanksgiving. We can call upon God confidently. We can trust His we can trust Him and have confidence in Him. And we can call upon Him specifically. And we can do it with thanks. We might be in the middle of a trial and we're crying out to Him in tears. But we can thank God. We can thank God for who He is. We can thank God for what He has done. We can trust Him, the one who invites our very specific need to be addressed to Him. We can trust Him and give Him thanks for what He's going to do. You know, every now and then, and as we grow in the Lord, our request might be in line with what He wants to do. But if He doesn't grant our request by our petition, He has something better in mind. He has the perfect answer in mind for you and I. So we might as well thank Him. Thank Him for what He's going to do in advance. There's some people that I meet with at my son's school every now and then. And um, we, do, we don't meet to pray, but praying is something we do when we meet. And there's a fellow that he's not a part of it anymore. He's not in the school anymore, but he used to be at the meetings. And, and I, I'm sure I don't believe everything he believes. And I doubt he believes what I believe. He'll find out in heaven I was right. <laughs> uh, I just mean that by the word of God, though. But I will say this. Every time that man prayed, he never went without giving thanksgiving to God. No matter what the troublesome thing was we prayed about, no matter what problem was being faced that we were trying to work out as a group, he always gave thanksgiving to God. And that's if we trust him and we know his will is best and we know he has the best plan for us, we'll come to him with thanksgiving, the confidence that we can thank Him always. When we're in a crisis, we can thank Him. When we're in tears, we can thank Him. And then let's continue in this confidence. It says, let your requests be made known unto God. I don't know if there's ever a time that I pray, especially when I'm alone, that I do not think about this. Thinking about the fact that God is inviting our requests to Him. He wants us 
to make requests to Him. It overwhelms me. It overwhelms me that our God is desiring our request. We can have confidence and we can come boldly before the throne of grace as the children of God. I see nothing but confidence here and that's what you and I ought to have when we come before God's throne. He invites our petition in the greatest detail. And then in this process, we see the care in verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We offer up prayer to God by faith, confidently giving Him thanks, and He gives peace. We offer up prayer, God gives peace. What a wonderful process. Are we, are we missing out on any of that? When we pray, God gives us peace. When we go through a trial, there's more peace for us to be experiencing and influenced by than the result of a trial, than the issues of the trial we're going through. There's more peace. There's greater influence and peace than the trial. When we pray, God gives peace. I, I believe it. It makes me, it, it encourages us to pray more. We're encouraged, and the church at Philippi is encouraged to pray more. The peace of God. The definition of that word peace, you'll find a lot of things when you define that, but one thing you'll define, you'll find is being bound together, or being joined, or woven together. You know, I, th I think about the fact of how we're woven together with the Lord. Look, He not only provides in our time of need, but He is present. You know, there's a psalm that, that the psalmist didn't even make requests yet, but he made, he, he made a, 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 an, emphasis, a, an emphasizing in his statement of the fact that the Lord was with him. He wasn't even desiring or trying to require that the Lord do something. But just the fact that He was with Him was enough. And we have the presence of God in His peace for you and I. He, he cares and He's with us. And we experience an extra special assurance of His peace when we're walking with Him. When we're doing what His Word tells us to do here when we're following this pattern. Euodius and Syntyche. I'm sure you remember who those two are. Those are the two women in the church that's causing the quarrel. And they're not experiencing the peace of God. They have peace with God. And they were always going and, and do have peace with God in eternity now. They always were sealed in the peace with God but they weren't walking in the peace of God. And you see what the results were and what they were experiencing and denying themselves of. They weren't experiencing this threefold promise of the peace of God that we see right here in this verse. There's three things about the peace of God we see that are promised to us. And the first thing is it passeth all understanding. Think about yourself and your past trials or 
God forbid you be in something right now, but the trial you may be in, and you think about that, and you think about the the perfect thing in your own mind that you would like to see happen, the way you would like to see things resolved, the end you would like to be able to, to look at and be able to detect and, and just know in your mind that this would be the best process. If this could happen, everything would be great. Anything that we could come up with resolving our issue the peace of God is greater and the peace of God is better than anything in our limited, finite thinking we could come up with. God's peace is promised that it will be greater than anything we can imagine as we go through our trial. The second promise is that it shall keep your hearts and minds. The peace of God is like a soldier. And the promise is that it guards our heart and guards our mind, guards us from the addiction of worry. When we will follow God's pattern for peace, we will be guarded from this anxiety that would like to swarm us, take our character over and just and just blur it in with everything else. And just cause us to deteriorate. It's a promise that we are protected from this addiction. And I believe the last time I preached this, I don't know how long ago it was, but I believe I made this two promises. But I saw three promises this time because not only does the peace of God pass all understanding and keep our hearts and minds, there's another promise here. That this peace is through Christ Jesus. And there's no other way to experience this peace that we're talking about. Peace only comes through Jesus Christ. Just time going by doesn't bring peace to a situation. It's Jesus who brings peace. He is the one who is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that said, my peace I'll leave with you. It's only through Jesus that we might experience this privilege of prayer and peace and protection. The peace of God changes you and I. The peace of God changes the children of God. There may be... My, my dad never seemed to worry about anything throughout his life. He was unsaved for most of his life, but he that just wasn't his issue. He, he wouldn't worry. My mom would worry about the bills, and my dad would say... In they come, out they go, honey. What are you worried about? Just just ride it and send it on out. And, and just with anything in life, he didn't seem to do that. And, and maybe there's the lost person, that was their issue with worry. But I tell you what, when, when someone gets saved by the Prince of Peace, and he offers the peace of God for you and I to walk in, that's going to change you and I. That's going to work on the one that has the weakness of of, of being in the most anxiety, and He is going to work on that in our lives. The only way to get it is through Jesus Christ. If one 
has professed Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and just doesn't seem to ever be able to experience this peace of God, one might want to examine themselves to see if they're in the faith because there is an effect on making peace with God and being able to walk in the peace of God daily. We have a threefold promise here as we look at the care of the Lord in giving us His peace. But in this process, I'll call this the core in verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Being saved by Jesus Christ and being indwelt by the Holy Spirit gives you and I the ability to control the thought life. To control our thoughts. That is going to help you and I. And, and, and to what, what we are to have our thoughts upon, we find it in God's Word here. God has made a list on what we're to fix our focus and have our heart set on, and it would do us well to follow it. Whatsoever things are true. Praise God that we have truth. We have absolute truth that we can rest our hearts and mind upon today. There's a lot of people that will lie to you, and you can dwell on that, and you can get mad on, at that, or you can... You can rest your heart on truth, God's truth, the truth that sanctifies us, Jesus says. We're able to judge things true or false based on the truth of God's word that we have. We are given discernment because we have truth. We need to, to fix our hearts and minds on things that are true. We need to be listening to truth if we're going to have our our minds and our hearts on truth. It's something that needs to, to go in the ears and saturate the mind and the heart. I walked into a group of kids one day and I heard some foul music on the, on the stereo. It wasn't my kids or, these, or church kids here or anything like that. And I said, hey, look right here. These aren't trash cans, okay? Turn that stuff off. It makes a, it makes a difference. When we're focused on truth, but not only truth, whatsoever things are honest. This would be something that is highly respected. This is talking about honorable things. We must listen to honest things to think about honest things. Thank God that we have that we have those things that are pure and honest that we can have our hearts and our minds on whatsoever things are just. I'll call this righteous dealings. It's it's good to, to have right dealings with people. It's good when we can be right and we can do right. You know, it seems to be a thing of the past, but I seem to cling to people that, that, I, that I see righteousness in and righteous behavior in. Somebody I can deal with in a righteous manner. You know, we, we experience peace when we do what's right. 
You know, there's the temptation to act on our feelings and our decisions and do things. There's a temptation to try to take a shortcut on something in life. There's a temptation that no one will know about this and I'm going to do this and it's just going to give me get me ahead. But there is no peace in that. There is no peace in that. We need to we need to do right and be right and not give in to temptation, not take a shortcut. We need to do right according to what God says is right. Not according to us delaying and hesitating and trying to justify things. We need to be right. Whatsoever things are just, we need to fix our hearts and our minds on that. We need to have right dealings with one another. It's hard to have peace when we are not dealing with one another and treating one another rightly. Part of that unity that we're talking about here. But that, that'll disturb my peace worse than anything else when things are out of sorts between, between church members or between me and a church member. We need to, whatsoever things are just, we need to have our heart and mind on that. Whatsoever things are, what's the next one? Pure. We need to have a focus on what's morally clean. Unpolluted things. Be careful when you punch something in on the computer. Don't miss one letter as you're typing because you'll end up in a place that you don't want to be. It drives me crazy on Thursdays when I'm looking for jokes. I tell jokes at the villas and, and they love it. And I punch in, sometimes I'll punch in clean Christian jokes or I'll punch in clean Christian senior humor. Try not to be offensive in what I'm saying, but I'm looking for a category of jokes. And one thing I specify is clean. So I think everything that comes up and what I might click on after that's going to be clean. And next thing you know, I'm reading a joke and I have to stop. And I have left the clean category without even knowing. There's all kinds of things trying to attack our minds, but we need to keep it on whatsoever is pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, that means pleasing. We need to have our heart and mind on pleasing things. It amazes me, you know, we were enemies of God. We were at hostility with God and the things he loved, we hated. And the things that we loved, he hated. But he saves us and he changes us and he starts making us more like him. And what pleases Him pleases us. That's, that's the amazing miracle of salvation. What a wonderful work and love that God has for us and does in our lives. That, that, that we can see things as lovely that He sees as lovely, as, as pleasing, if you will. Yodius and Syntyche, they're focused on pleasing themselves. And there's no doubt they have to be miserable just like anyone I've ever known that is overwhelmed with pleasing themselves. That doesn't fit in God's pattern, so no one is ever going to be happy that way. But we can have our hearts changed, and whatever's pleasing to God can be pleasing to us. Whatsoever things are of good report. You know... I, I really like gossip. I like gossip that's good. And I'm not talking about juicy gossip. 
I'm not talking about lies on someone. I'm not talking about assuming something of someone that's not even true. I'm talking about the good things that God is doing in this world that we can give report on. I'm talking about when a Christian's restored. I'm talking about a Rise Baptist Church, a church that's like-minded like ours and has moved into an area where there wasn't a church like ours, and, and they've grown. They, they've, they've grown to from 20 people to over uh, 100, and souls saved, and they've been baptizing people. I love these good reports. Uh, I, when I'm out and about with people, I love talking about people in, in this church and what God is doing with people in this church. It's, it's, uh, there's many things that, that we have good praise reports to give over. Whatsoever things are of good report. There can be one backslidden person in the church maybe, and, and somebody might just be consumed with that. I, I'd rather think about the two dozen people that are doing so much for the Lord. I don't see how, how they have time to do it. And they love serving the Lord. They do it with a smile. They can't do enough. They're doing more and more. We're watching children of God grow. I, I love focusing on that. I love being consumed with that. Whatsoever things are of good report, have your mind on that. Good gossip. There is good, clean gossip that you and I can be sharing. There are things worthy of praise that we can go on and on about. Well, let's close with the charge in verse 9. Paul says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the peace of God shall be with you. We can't be just hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. And here we go back to an example that God gives us. An example that God gave Philippi through Paul. Paul taught the word of God. He treated them with kindness and he did what was right in their presence. Paul did not want to cause anyone to stumble by anything he did. So he was so sensitive to be under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to do what was right. He lived out a pattern of walking in the peace of God. And God gives us models today who are walking in a pattern of peace. There's, you can assure yourself that there's always going to be some among the people of God. There are many here. And we have that pattern that we can look at. If we'll worry about nothing, but pray about everything, giving thanks to God, making our request to God, coming bold before His throne, experiencing His peace, Focusing on, the, focusing on those things that are righteous and clean and holy and pure. Patterning our lives after godly examples. All of these things God is including in helping us with our addiction. That addiction to worry. Peace is going to trump the worry in our life. And that's what God gives to us that we might have freedom from this. We, we don't have to worry. There doesn't have to be worry in our lives. God says, 
let there be none. About absolutely not one thing. And He has provided everything that we need that we would walk in the, the peace of God and that worry would not taint our lives and hinder us and hold us back from what God wants to do in our lives. Bubba Mills, would you close our Bible study in a word of prayer, sir?